What number is this, Chip? Zilch 148, Monkeys 101 with Monkeys in a Ghost Town, and Monkeys News, and a look at Zilch, the year in review. Okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm sure I know. Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. I'm Ken Mills, your host here today. And today we have Monkeys 101 with our resident doctors, Sarah Clark and Roseanne Welsh, who will take a look at episode seven of the Monkeys TV series, Monkeys in a Ghost Town, which came out October 24th, 1966. And we also have Monkeys News with Tim Powers and Christine Wolf. But first, I would like to say thank you for listening to Zilch. We are wrapping up another year here at Zilch, and it's really interesting that we can look back at what we've done in a, in a year's time, in a season's time, if you will, because Zilch, since it started back in 2014, has been giving you monkey news and the happenings and a look back at the past, the present, and the future. And we're going to take a look at Ghost of Zilch Past, if you would. And <laughs> let's take a look at the episodes that we've done this year. And there's been quite a few of them. In episode 130, we had the Wool Hat Club. It was really cool to meet some of the younger generation of the Monkees fandom. And it was great to share their energy and their stories and check them out on YouTube. Then on Zilch 131, we had another Monkey 101 with your friendly neighborhood kidnappers. That was fun. Then we had Zilch 132, Happy Peter Tork Day, which was in honor of Peter Tork's birthday. Sadly, we then lost Peter Tork, and we did two episodes, Celebrate Peter Tork 1 and 2 on episodes 133 and 134. Those were difficult episodes to make but they're full of love from people who love peter tork and i'm really proud of them then zilch 135 the monkeys in st louis that's right the zilch monkeys meet up in st louis and it was great we got to go backstage and see the guys and uh mike stuck his head through a curtain and went it was fun uh <laughs> And we got to meet so many people that listened to Zilch, and it was just a fantastic day. And we had a huge pre-show party, and that was the, the day of the show in the lobby. It was just full of people in monkeys t-shirts and monkey men tutus with capes. It was a thing, and they were awesome, and we love you. And then we did something the next day at the Rock and Brews in St. Louis, and... Amy and John Billings, who run Wind Down Nashville and is the bass player for the Monkees, dropped in and surprised the group, and that was that was really cool. And that was the day that Mike said, I'm done with the Monkees, no more Monkees, and just uh, summing it up, of course. Then earlier, 
Mickey and Mike had recorded at the 50th anniversary of Head, and we got to play that on episode 136. At that point, the monkeys went down under. That's right. And it's always cool when the monkeys hit Australia and New Zealand. It was a collection of a bunch of interviews and sound clips from the tour down under and that was episode 137 and then mickey dropped by on episode 138 that's right mickey dolans came in and we talked his old radio days his album remember what he's doing for charity and just a bunch of things he's very passionate about so it's always cool when mickey drops by we love him and then monkeys 101 did the spy who came in from the cool and that was a blast Then we had Zilch 140 with Jones Organic Tea Company. And that was was Anita Weinberg and, of course, Annabelle Jones. And I'll tell you, if you haven't tried their tea and you're looking for a good brew, check it out. But they've been very sweet to Zilch, and we are sweet right back on them. So (laughs) check out Jones Organic Tea. I actually am sipping some today, so I guess it's tea time here. (laughs) Then we had... Something fantastic happened, that's right, 7A Records put out Davy Jones live in Japan, and the guys came on the show to talk about that. What a great, great CD, DVD package, or if you get the vinyl version, you really need to get this. It's such a great package, like all things from 7A. Goodbye in 
another Monkeys 101 with Success Story, another fun episode. And then Jonathan Pushkar, one of the associate producers of the Mr. Rogers Tribute album, came on the show and let us play the entire Mickey Dolan's track that is on the Mr. Rogers Tribute album. It is great to have Jonathan Pushkar at the Zilch headquarters here. He is indeed a huge Monkeys fan, so it was very cool to have him here. Yeah. 
then we did an album roundtable. That's right, the two Jeffs, Melinda and David Ghosty Wills, did Instant Replay Side 1 and Side 2. And uh, boy, that one caused a bit of a ruckus. <laughs> they were kind of anti-Shorty Blackwell, and I'm going to someday do a rebuttal on how great of a track that Shorty Blackwell is. So that that's going to happen, folks. Then, of course, there was the Peter Tork Celebration on Zilch 146 and episode 146 and Peter Tork's team and family put that together and it was a great way for the fans to get together and celebrate Peter Tork's life. It was wonderful and it was another fun episode. Then our last episode, Zilch 147, uh, 7A put out Cosmic Partners and Ed from Video Ranch stopped in along with a surprise guest. That's right. Michael Nesmith dropped in and surprised us all. I didn't know what was going on.
sit and stand on shaky feet Then re-implant the smile that never really leaves Gently place my heart back on my sleeve Oh, oh, oh the closeness is gone Steal the memory lives on Get that CD signed at VideoRanch.com. Check it out. It was it was a thrill as always to get to talk to Mike Nesmith and and it's really cool that both Mickey and Mike take time for the Zilch community and as did Peter and Davy's family and it's it's just great that the guys care enough about the fans to do these sort of things and it just says something really special. And of course, this year we also had Monkey's Christmas Party, which came out on vinyl. I myself would have called it Monkey's Christmas Presents, but get it anyway. And we also have a new set of tour dates, so that's fantastic. It's It's been a great year in Monkey's, right? For a band that was written off like the Monkey's were early on, they've certainly lasted and stood the test of time. And it reminds me of the line from Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, which is about a fictional band as well. They've been going in and out of style, but they're guaranteed to raise a smile. And the monkeys always make me smile. That's not a bad thing. (laughs) So it's been a pretty cool year in review for the monkeys. And I'd like to talk about something that's kind of important to me. Every year we do some stuff for charity around Zilch and around the different podcasts that I do. And... Uh, We recently just did a thing where we donated money to help fight childhood cancer. 
with Dragon Masters Foundation. If you're looking for a good charity, I suggest you check them out because they're doing some great stuff and helping a lot of young people. And the research that they're doing is going to help us all in time. Cancer is a horrible, horrible disease. And it's taken too many from us. And we were all affected and touched by it. There's somebody special I want to mention that is a friend to Monkeys fans everywhere. Her name is Sherry Hansen. And Sherry has been the official, unofficial Monkeys photographer. She's been at just about every show and about every happening, and she's always captured the band. And she's one of us, folks. And if you've ever been at a show, you've probably seen Sherry down front taking pictures. And she's always given us so many great memories, be it on her YouTube page or her photographs. She's just fantastic. And we are glad to have her in our fan family. And she's battling cancer right now. And we need to help her because the expenses are starting to mount up, folks. And right now you can buy a button with a picture of her and Peter Tork on it. It's just a regular zilch button, just like all the rest of them. All you have to do is donate $10 to get this button, and it would really mean something to us if you would help Sherry out. She doesn't want to ask for money, but you're getting something in return, and you're helping someone out, and that's kind of what we do here at Zilch. My grandmother used to say, everyone does a little, so no one has to do a lot. And If you look at it, that's really what love is all about, is making sure that we all do a little bit to help someone. And we really care about Sherry, and we're going to be doing some buttons going forward as well that you're going to be interested in that will have her photos on them. So what I'm asking you to do, Zilch Nation, is to send a $10 donation for each button, and all of the proceeds from any of the buttons that we're going to sell for the foreseeable future are going to be for Sherry. Send your $10 donation for each button to PayPal at zilchorders at gmail.com. Go to PayPal and put in zilchorders at gmail.com. Try to use the friends and family option. That way, any money that comes in goes directly to Sherry. And we're not keeping a penny of it. We're just trying to help. Get an order to Christine the Button Queen. That's right, at paypal at zilchorders at gmail.com so we want to thank you in advance for doing that as we're putting this episode up in december it's almost christmas time here and we hope that wherever you are in this world that you're safe and happy and healthy and you're going to be able to be surrounded by loved ones if you can't be with people that you love we hope that you hold them close in your heart and And, of course, we know that you can listen to the Monkees' Christmas Party album, and that's fantastic. And the guys, whether it be as the Monkees or solo, did a lot of great Christmas music. But there's a really cool song that you can only get on the album, A Beechwood Christmas, featuring Peter Tork and his good friend James Lee Stanley and company. There is an instrumental version of Peter doing Angels We Have Heard on High. And there's a track called I Remember Christmas, which was written by Peter's brother, Nick. And you can get this on Amazon.com. And the album, again, is called A Beechwood Christmas. Check it out. With love from our hearts, we play this song in honor of Peter Tork. We love you, and we will always be your zilch team. We love you. Merry Christmas, everyone.
I remember Christmas in 64 Joey woke up in the dark on Christmas morning Opened up the door Saw the Lincoln Logs Just like the year before And started to cry I remember Christmas in 62 Danny put the blindfold on And broke that old piñata right in two The toys came tumbling down And still she felt so blue And didn't know why And I remember Christmas in 69 Wanted to get home but the boys in the band said we don't have the time There's so much work to do We take what we can find of comfort and joy And I would make a wish Then who am I? I would take the yearning Any kind of burning hopes that never die These I would not destroy Yes, these I would satisfy And why Can't this Christmas find at least Some peace of mind, some sweet release At least for each and every girl and boy And I remember Christmas in 44 Had a brand new brother Soon we sailed together For that foreign shore The cities were in ruins And still I dream of war Yes, even today And I remember Christmas in 81 Trying to explain the war in places near and foreign to my only son Who could not understand Whose life had just begun And all I could say Is someday we'll believe we're worth Some peace of mind Some peace on earth Goodwill to all In each and Every way Some fine Christmas day Some fine Christmas day Some fine Christmas day
Now listen. Yes, sir. Let me do this last one here. Okay. Um, hi, this is Peter Tork, and you're listening to Zilch. It's a monkey's podcast. And that was I Remember Christmas, written by Peter Tork's brother Nick with Peter Tork. So sometimes we do Christmas episodes, and since we're talking about the ghost of Christmas past, let's take a look at the ghost of Zilch Christmas past. There are some really cool holiday-themed Zilch episodes that you should check out. Our first one we did was back on December 19th, 2014. Zilch episode 21, Peace and Love, Happy Holidays. Yeah. Then in December 19th, 2015, we did Zilch 46, A Fab Holiday Party. And that was a blast because the Beatles tribute band, The Fab Four, came by and played some songs. It was wonderful. Then we had a very zilchy Xmas in 2016. That's right, Zilch episode 76. That was really cool. A lot of people sending in some great files, and we played a bunch of great Christmas monkeys music, so check that out. And of course, our roundtable of monkeys Christmas party 2018, Zilch 129. So check that out. They're available in the podcatcher feed of your choice so (laughs) or you can get everything at the zilch blog spot so everything can be there so we'd like to thank everybody within monkeys fandom what a great year that the monkeys have given us and it's the gift that keeps on giving clark we look forward to the monkeys being on tour and we'd like to thank our sponsors mutt merch and we'd also like to thank john and amy over at wind down nashville thank you for partnering with us this year and we're going to get into the meat of the show first we're going to have christine wolf and tim powers with the monkeys news see if you can name the famous retro comedy routine that they're imitating take it away tim and christine with the news Welcome back to Zilch, everybody. I am one of your hosts, Christine Carlson-Wolf, a.k.a. The Button Queen, and I am joined today by... Tim Powers, a.k.a. The Dairy Queen. Today's episode is brought to you by Wine Down Nashville, a music and event-based boutique wine bar and a true Nashville experience. Located at 2720 Old Lebanon Road, this fun and inviting space is available to book your holiday party or special event. Contact Amy Billings at southerngirl72 at gmail.com and make your plans today to wind down while you wind down. And also by Jones Organic Tea. Jones Organic Tea is a line of premium organic loose leaf teas officially licensed by the David T. Jones Royalty Trust. Right now, I'm enjoying a warm cup of their holiday blend, Merry and Bright, a delicious blend of black tea, cinnamon, orange pieces, clove, and lime and blackberry leaves. This tea makes a great gift, by the way. Visit Jones Organic Tea to see their entire line and get some for yourself while you're there. Thank you, Christine. And now, as a service to Monkey's News listeners, we know that many of us are getting up in years and our hearing isn't what it used to be. So, to accommodate that, here's today's top story. Our top story today... Our top story today! Mr. Schneider is still missing. Mr. Schneider is 
Thanks. And now, the news. Around the holidays each year, in addition to cranberry sauce and mistletoe, hopefully not together because that's disgusting, music publications and websites put out their annual best of list. This year, we're at the end of not only another year, but another decade. So make way for the supersized best of 2010s list. And to what to my wondering eyes should appear? It's our boys. Rolling Stone published their 100 best songs of the 2010, and me and Magdalena detoured from the California canyons and came to rest at number 76. Writer Andy Green from Rolling Stone had this to say. To create their 50th anniversary LP, Good Times, the Monkees turned creative control over to lifelong fans of the group, like producer Adam Schlesinger, and songwriters like Rivers Cuomo, Paul Weller, and Noel Gallagher. The result is, improbably enough, the greatest album of the 2010s by a 60s band, highlighted by the achingly gorgeous love ballad, Me and Magdalena, written by Death Cab for Cutie's Ben Gibbard. The voices of Michael Nesmith and Mickey Dolans blend together as perfectly as they did in the 60s and now with decades of wisdom and tough loss underneath their glossy exterior. Noting that beloved members Peter Tork and Davy Jones are no longer with us, they somehow mean more than ever. Not to be outdone, UltimateClassicRock.com compiled their top 50 classic rock albums of the 2010s and, you guessed it, Good Times is right there, holding down the fort at number 43. Button Queen? Thank you, Tim, you ignorant slut. The Monkey Maniacs Australian Fan Club and Monkeys Fans Down Under Facebook group are joining forces to present the first Australian Monkeys convention in 20 years. Billed as Pleasant Valley Weekend, Monkey Mania returns to Melbourne at the Burvale Hotel in Nunawading for a fan-run weekend convention February 29th and March 1st. Fans are coming from all over the country and overseas for this very unique event. Celebration will feature videos, trivia, live monkey music, cocktail parties with food included with a weekend pass, international guest speakers live via the internet, photo ops, displays, and a few surprises. They are currently offering an early bird special on ticket pricing, $50 for the weekend if you purchase your tickets prior to January 1, 2020. And there are fewer than 100 tickets available, folks, so if you're interested, act fast. For more information, check out their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash monkeys2020 Melbourne VIC or send an email to monkeys2020 at gmail.com. We'll also put links to the event's Facebook page and ticket information in our show notes. Mike and Mickey are headed back on the road in 2020 with their Evening with the Monkeys tour. The group is also releasing the live album The Mike and Mickey Show live on April 3rd. Fans who purchase tickets to their upcoming tour will automatically receive the album either as a digital download or a physical CD. The complete list of dates for the 2020 Evening with the Monkeys tour will be in our show notes. And continuing on with Mike and Mickey on the road, they will be making a rare appearance at Fanboy Expo Orlando. They will be there all three days, August 14, 15, and 16, 2020, at the Wyndham Resort in International. Don't miss this opportunity to meet these rock and roll legends. Tickets for Fanboy Expo Orlando are on sale now at fanboyexpo.com. The most exciting musical event to ever hit Florida returns... Spring break in Fort Lauderdale? No. The International Beatles on the Beach Festival. Another amazing festival experience is coming your way March 26 through 29, taking over all of sunny Delray Beach, Florida, for four magical days. 
2020 is a special year for Ringo's good friend Mickey Dolan, says he's fresh off the White Album Anniversary Tour and will be performing at Beatles on the Beach. For more information and to buy tickets, they're available right now at BeatlesOnTheBeach.com and at TicketMonster Master. You'll find links in our show notes as well. And that's a look at Monkey's News. I'm Tim Powers. I'm not, thank God. Reminding you that if you're looking for gifts for those special someones in your life, be sure to give them a head. On Blu-ray. And now, here's Doctors Clark and Welch. Thanks, ladies. Everybody loves my baby, and everybody don't love nobody but me. Before you I talk too much. No, no, no. Before you leave, could I get you just to do an ID for us? Can I what? Can you just do a hi? This is Rosemarie, and you're listening to Zilch. Zilch. What is, it, what is it called? It's called Zilch. You know, like Zilch, nada, Zilch. 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 Z i l c h. <laughs> There's a monkey song called Zilch. Uh, you want me to say, "Hello, this is Rosemary, and you're listening to Zilch." Yes, ma'am. You just did. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll do it again for you. Okay. Bless your heart. Let me do it to, to perfection. Okay. Hi, this is Rosemary. And you are listening to Zilch. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Bless your heart. Thank you so much. Thank you, dear. Have a wonderful afternoon. Class. Class. It's Monkeys 101. Here at Zilch, a Monkeys podcast, we're big fans of education. But as Zilch Nation grows... There's also a growing number of fans who don't know their Frodus from their Freebill Energizer, or who've forgotten the departure time for last train to Clarksville. There are even people in this world who can't solve the equation nine times blue. Oh, but have no fear, because doctors Roseanne Welch and Sarah Clark are here to help with their new series, Monkeys 101. Their regular class sessions and symposiums on special topics We'll explore all things monkeys, from the deeper meanings of the TV show and music we all know and love, to the cultural impact of the monkeys from 1966 all the way to the present. We'll even explore the monkeys' connections to history then and now. Stay tuned for a fun, thoughtful romp through the world of the monkeys, and who knows, at the end of the episode, you just might be thinking about the monkeys in a different, deeper way. Welcome back, everyone, to Monkeys 101. This is Dr. Sarah Clark. And Dr. Roseanne Welch. Lovely to see you again, Roseanne. And today we are talking about the seventh episode of The Monkeys, Monkeys in a Ghost Town. Stranded in a ghost town after the monkey mobile runs out of gas, the monkeys are held by bank robbers, uh, including Lon Chaney Jr. and Rosemarie. It's a crazy genre mashup. Um, kids yes. know the word mashup much more these days, but writers have always tried to blend genres to get more stories out of what, or, you know, there's only four major stories in the world, right? It's mm-hmm. man against man, man against nature, man against God, and man against self. That's it. Yep. <laughs> so you got to keep mixing and matching this stuff. And this one does it really well. Original air date of October 24th, 1966, written by Robert Schlitt and Peter Meyerson, and directed by James Frawley. Yay! Yay! Mm -hmm. And ratings on this one were a 17.1 rating and a 29.2 share. 
We talked about what those two things mean last time, but it uh, comes out to 9.4 million viewers watching The Monkees. That's pretty fair. And um, I, I don't know if we, and I guess now's a good time to talk about Peter's background, Meyerson. Absolutely. Yay. So Peter's really interesting. Sadly, Bob Schlitt had passed away before I could speak to him, but I did meet with Peter also sadly. He was in an Alzheimer's home. Mm. Uh, and his son had said to me, I don't know if he'll have anything to say to you, but I was very interested in meeting him. So we went down to Orange County and met with him. And um, and he remembered several things about the time in the monkeys. Um, one of the things he remembered, and this is a danger historians do have to think about when they take oral histories. Mm-hmm. I only got his side. Of course. Because Bob Schlitt had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were both New York writers. They got offered the chance to come to the Monkees. They moved to L.A. to do that. And he said that Bob got more entranced with other things happening in town and didn't really do a lot of work. So Peter, of course, was taking credit for doing most of the writing himself. Mm-hmm. Which is or isn't true. Obviously, yep. one would have to look at stuff. What is interesting is post the Monkees, they did split up. And Bob Schlitt went into one-hour dramas, and he ended up writing for like shows like Lou Grant and Kung Fu and The Mod Squad. Wow. So he did have a penchant for doing more serious things, whereas Peter's the guy who co-created Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah. <laughs> so he stayed in comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and even though we know Gabe Kaplan was intrinsic to co-creating that show – isn't it funny? Welcome back, Cotter is a story of four boys mm-hmm. who get into all kinds of crazy antics in their high school. Yeah, another one of those shows where once you think about it, it's like, yeah, there's some parallels there. So Exactly. And the one thing that's going to match up what we talk about here in this episode later is that um, Peter's degree, he was one of the few college writers on the show, um, and he had a degree in American literature. So I'm sure John Steinbeck figured greatly in that degree. Uh-huh. And we will, interesting, we will get to that in a minute. But first, cool. we, first we need to talk about what was going on the week uh, Monkeys in a Ghost Town aired, which was October 24th, 1966. On October 25th, the Jimi Hendrix Experience played their first UK gig at a private showcase in London. Kind of scary how, you know, sadly, he's one of the guys who came and went so quickly. But wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, really just less than five years, really. Yeah. And had this much of an influence on rock and roll for so long. I mean, there's nobody who doesn't recognize a picture or the sound of Jimi Hendrix playing guitar. Absolutely. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And, and I think about this kind of throughout the pop culture stuff and we'll kind of touch on this when we get to the top five this week. It's just this, like, I don't know, this 18 month period between like mid 66 and the end of 68. There's just so much stuff crammed in there. That's true. That's true. Which is covered by all these lovely The Echoes in the Canyon that's out there right now. And Mm -hmm. um, the piece on The Wrecking Crew, all these documentaries are now really focusing on what was the magic of that period. Yeah, very true. And our guys were right in the middle of it. Yep, they were. (laughs) So also other things that were going on the week this episode aired on October 26th, the first Pacific communication satellite launched. It was called Intelsat 2. So that's cool. Yep. October 26th, the U.S. aircraft carrier Ariskany catches fire in the Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, unfortunately, 43 people die. And the yeah. Gulf of Tonkin is not a good place to be in this period. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I was hoping to have a little more time to look that up and find out more about that. But um, on the next day, October 27th, 
Walt Disney laid out his vision for 27,400 acres of land he had secretly acquired in Central Florida to include a theme park, industrial park, and an airport. Unfortunately, Disney died two months later and the plan was shelved, but in 1971, Walt Disney World opened on that piece of land. How funny. And I don't, there's not an airport there, though, right? Not that I know of. I mean, there might be some little, you know, um, private sure. airport or something, but... Uh, right. yes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. October 27th, China performs a nuclear test at Lop Nor in the People's Republic of China. On October 27th, this one was interestingly phrased, the UN deprives South Africa of Namibia. <laughs> <laughs> that is interestingly worded. It sounds like there was, I looked into it a little bit. It looks like there was like kind of like a conflict between treaties and stuff, and they maybe were holding on to more land than they were supposed to. And of course, this was in the middle of the apartheid era. Exactly, exactly. And still, anything post-World War II is so amazing because there was so much um, colonization that happened in, in Africa in general. And then after World War II, all the allies were kind of like, Ooh, we got mad at Hitler for doing that. We we should let these people have their own countries back. And so slowly, all those countries began to form their own democratic uni- you know units and whatnot. Well, yes, um, and there was definitely some uh, pressure on the other side of that too. So yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yes, very true. Also on the twenty seventh, the USSR performs a nuclear test at Novaya Zemlya in the USSR. Um, on the 28th, Belgium's Gaston Rolance runs 12 and 4 fifths miles in one hour, which uh, that's pretty impressive even today. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Minus steroids because yeah. we didn't have that many back then. Right? Yeah, I would imagine not. Yeah. On the 29th, Lunar Orbiter 1 crashes on the moon. I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but uh, yeah. Also on the 29th. Here we go. The National Organization of Women was founded in Washington, D.C. Rockin', because this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what the women's movement was doing for writers. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! And we're going to be talking about the big man, so... Exactly. Hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. And then on the 30th was the 16th annual NASCAR Sprint Cup. David Pearson won. So, there you go. Yeah. Yep. And moving on to the top five on the Billboard charts, we had some shuffling around this week. Uh, number five was The Left Bank with Walk Away Renee. I love this Ooh. one. Yes. And then number four, talk about kind of diversity in the charts. Johnny Rivers with The Poor Side of Town. Tell me how much you missed me When the last time I saw you 
you wouldn't even kiss me That rich guy you've been seeing Must have put you down So welcome back, baby To the post side of town this is a time period when that's happening, right? We're going to have the Beatles and Dean Martin on the top five at the same time. I mean, it's a really interesting mix of periods. Yeah, yeah. And this this week particularly, it feels like there's a lot of different you know genres or subgenres that are bubbling up to the top of the pop charts. Um, and then on number three, this is our former number one that's drop it, dropped down to number three after a couple of weeks in the top slot. The four tops with Reach Out, I'll Be There. When you feel Yes. Uh, number two, rising a slot, the monkeys with last train to Clarksville. And I don't know if I'm ever coming Yes. Spoiler alert. This is not their chart peak. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, true. Isn't that cool? Yep. And number one, another song that took a jump this week, Question Mark and the Mysterians with 96 Tears. really good you can make an album out of those five songs yeah i mean i'm almost thinking i might put together like a i don't know a spotify playlist or something with like all of the all of like the top five songs during the during the run of the series and maybe even put them in like chronological order that would be really fun because you'd also be watching the songs rise and fall which would be really cool yeah 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 because there's there's a lot that have risen and fall and i know next week some things get moved around too so yeah <laughs> oh cool i um, love that i love knowing where the music was when they were doing what they were doing yeah this was a really good idea ken had <laughs> <laughs> well you know he has some good ideas every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> okay into the episode we have two really interesting guest stars i mean all of the guest stars this episode were great but the two that jump out are of course lon cheney jr as lenny and uh rosemarie is the big man exactly i mean it's pretty fascinating we all know what's funny is rosemarie is going to show up as we know again in monkey mother which is mm -hmm. also written by peter myerson oh interesting. interesting very interesting don't know why but um uh i just think it's marvelous because she is of the 
the older generation, because of course people are, she's beloved from Dick Van Dyke show. Right. And part of me thinks that you cast someone like that into this show, as you often do, it's a special guest star, to draw that audience into this new show. Yeah, I, I mean, it feels like certainly her and maybe to an extent Lon Chaney Jr. are kind of there for the parents. Exactly. And I think it's funny to me because I would have, if I was in charge, haha, I would have had Monkey Mother come first because in that episode, she's truly sort of giving her blessing to these guys as nice kids. Yeah. which seemed to be an issue that they wanted covered early on. So it's kind of funny how they go in a different order. Um, but just her being there is giving the that older audience the chance to peek in on this new show and go, oh, it's not so bad. Their long hair isn't so awful, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, I th- yeah, especially in Monkey Mother. But yeah, in an extent, just, just there and being in the show, she's like, yes, this is okay. This is safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's a big... That's a big thing. And of course, what's amazing about Rosemary, and you, you know, she was, did a whole interview with the show, which was lovely of her. Um, yes. She literally started as a baby in 1933, and she worked mm-hmm. all the way through doing voiceovers in, in like early 2013, 14. And she died in 2017. So that woman worked her whole life. Absolutely. And I had the opportunity in a previous episode of Zilch, which we will link in the show notes, to interview the uh, director of the um, of the documentary about her. Wait for for your laugh that came out, um, you know, about about, I guess, a year, two years ago now and certainly before she passed and um, just learning about her entire career. I mean, you know, obviously monkey stuff and I knew Dick Van Dyke and, you know, kind of some of her other stuff but but yeah it's just her life was pretty much you know almost the history of hollywood in some ways that's you know i was gonna say when we think about the casting of this episode it's a true hollywood piece of history oh yeah we're seeing some things that the kids who are watching wouldn't have any idea how important she and lon chaney jr were to get as guest stars on this show Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then, um, obviously, so Lon Chaney, in case anybody doesn't know, <laughs> actually played Lenny in the actual film of, of Mice and Men. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and just to come back and do that, um, you know, homage, parody, however you'd call it, because look throughout the episode, because there's all sorts of little shout outs and Easter eggs to Of Mice and Men in there. Exactly. There's some mouse in his pocket. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and but, but it, like it's funny because it's a funny show it's a comedy you know when he pulls the mouse out i'm like oh no but if you've read the novel you know he's gonna crush it and yeah. that's so, <laughs> so it's a weird like it's a weird thing to use as a message to him but i don't know it's, it's so funny what i find when i teach freshmen is i always ask them what's the last book they read because we're really trying to talk about not losing your connection to reading when you go to college and you're busy reading textbooks mm-hmm and so many of them tell me one of the last books they read was Of Mice and Men. Well, yeah. I mean, I read it, oh gosh, junior year probably, junior year of high school. Of course, I, I went to high school in Oklahoma, and so it was like that in Grapes of Wrath we had to read. So, yeah. <laughs> I never really had to read. And of course, in California, you have to read Grapes of Wrath because they're yeah. coming from your world to our world. Exactly. So it's a chance to really, and it's, it, there's all kinds of stuff we have them do with Grapes of Wrath because there was actually like, there were... California National Guardsmen at the border of California not letting all y'all in. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, so we're just a bunch a- of ruffians, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and this is, we'll, we'll get off this in a second, but you know, yeah. there's a place in California called the Okie Girl Cafe. Yeah. 
And there were people that tried to get it closed down because they said Oki was an insult. And it's like the granddaughter of the woman who started it. And she's like, my grandpa, my grandmother was proud to be an Oki. So it's not an insult. Yeah, it was a the, really interesting discussion. Yeah. For the record, we have reclaimed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so Lon Chaney and, and Rosemary really make this episode rock. And as you, you're right, as we go through scene by scene, we'll hit those um, the moments where they're really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So getting started with the episode. The monkeys drive the monkey mobile to a job out of town after driving through what seems to be an endless desert and uh, passing a misspelled sign to turn for Clarksville. (laughs) Mickey mentioned that uh, they actually should have turned left at a corner drugstore about 150 miles back. Um, Oops. Man, I've heard of out-of-town jobs before, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> How much farther we gotta go? Hey, you passed the gas station with the uh, drugstore on the corner yet? Yeah, about 150 miles back. Oh, that's where we should have turned left. Well, I can't help wishing you'd mention that a little bit sooner, man. We're almost out of gas. Well, we're out of gas. Yeah, yeah, and he's also, like, messing with his sextant and, you know, trying to take, you know... <laughs> Because they're still playing him as, like, the science guy who likes to do inventions and things like that. Yeah. That's kind of part of his personality. And what's um, just a technical thing, this business of filming in the car while it's actually driving and having them do dialogue, mm-hmm. all that dialogue had to be dubbed. Yeah, yeah. And and some of it, if you look closely, you can tell that some of it's dubbed. Yeah. I mean, they're good at it because that's yeah. something actors can do. But that um, that ADR thing, that's a whole different business in town where then the actors come into the studio and they roll back the picture and they speak into the microphone. If people saw um, Postcards from the Edge, you watch yeah, Meryl yeah. Streep doing that. I mean, you know, in, in um, it's up to Dar's Born, you see Lady Gaga do it. Yeah. It's a whole business. That sound is, you know, we don't always talk about all the other crafts on a show, but the sound on this show was a lot of hard work. Yeah, and I was actually noticing uh, th- they seemed to take a lot of care this week with the the sound and, and like I don't know what it was. It was just something that occurred to me, kind of how they were fading the music in and out and things like that. So very cool. Yeah, and as if on cue, the monkey mobile uh, runs out of gas in the middle of a ghost town, and um, you know, as they're kind of wandering around, Peter makes a cute little uh, gag, you know, cross at the green, not in between. Oh, right, right. We talked about this ourselves privately that um, I knew that couldn't come from nowhere, but I had never heard it mm-hmm. as, a, as a child myself. And it turns out it was the phrase in a PSA in New York to get people not to cross mid-block, so not to jaywalk. Right. And so it was a great little PSA, which we're going to link to, that showed several um, different uh, families from different language-speaking countries mm-hmm. doing that phrase and then – at the end, it said something like, you know, in any language, press the green, not in between, means safety. And so this has either been drummed into <laughs> Peter Meyerson's brain or what you said, which didn't even occur to me, is... Peter Tork was living in the village for several years, you know? <laughs> didn't even think about it. So, yeah, either one of the Peters is the one who contributed that phrase, yes. um, which is adorable. Yeah, and, and, and maybe one of these days we'll get a chance to glance at the uh, script and see whether that was a Peter Tork ad-lib or a Peter Meyerson edition. So. I'm going to guess it can't be an ad-lib because, look, it involved having oh, the yeah. sign of course. clicked down. It yeah. had to be. The prop guys had to be prepared for that. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the guys, and I really love to give them lots of credit, but no, there are some, right. there are some uh, evidence that shows gags that were built in. 
Yeah, yeah. And if you pay attention, I mean, like the, you know, the here in a minute, the the light bulb that uh, Peter holds when, when Mickey gets, you know, one of his, his ideas. I mean, obviously that sort of thing would have to be scripted. Exactly. So yeah. a part of the beauty of writing for the show, they all told me, was, you know, they could be freewheeling and funny and do those kinds of goofy things. So they were improving as they wrote. Right. Yeah, because it's got kind of this, you know, what what Melanie Mitchell would always call monkey magic. This kind of fan yes. fantasy element to it too, where you can, you know, you you can do things where, like, here in a minute, they split up in pairs to find some gas. Uh, gas, and Mike and Davy play like this little western <laughs> fantasy scene <laughs> with costumes and with, with costumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you see anything? No. I don't mind telling you, it's making me nervous. Nervous, eh? Playing your yellow-livered card. So Kincaid paid a hired killer to come and get me. That's right, Slade. I paid him $500 for your life. $500, huh? Well, I've only got three words for you, Black Bart. Yeah, what are they? $600. Kincaid, you're a yellow-livered card. They can't conjure gas, but they can conjure, you know, Black Bart and Slade and... <laughs> sure, see, there's where the ma magic failed them. Yes. <laughs> it's not terribly practical. True. <laughs> <laughs> sure. no. Sort of like the Roger Rabbit line, only when it's funny. That Oh, that's a perfect reference. You know, you have to put in a link to that phrase. Okay. Because <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> yes. And you just reminded me Roger Rabbit is a ride at Disney. Mm -hmm. So now we've tied into the time period as well. Yeah, very true. <laughs> and um, as we mentioned, Mike plays double roles there of Black Bart and Slade. Uh, Davy is Kincaid, who allegedly hired Black Bart, who uh, ends up shooting Davy. So, you know, because he, he, he turns, you know, Slade turns him. And meanwhile, Mickey and Peter encounter a rusty old triangle used to call cowboys to supper. Uh, since Peter played a triangle in high school, along with, I, I think last count, about 17 other instruments. <laughs> He and did it, did it make you wonder if actually Peter Tork had played one in school? I don't know. You know, a lot, some keyboard players do kind of end up in percussion. I don't know. Now I'm going to have to like see if somebody from his high school has. Knows that. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the first thing I thought of was, hey, wait, a lot of kids did kazoos and triangles like yeah. in the beginning of music study. And maybe he really did. So maybe that is because the triangle was there for the joke of Old West, but he could have riffed on his own personal memory on it. Exactly. Well, in any case, Peter happily rings the triangle with a hammer, and the noise attracts two hoods, George and Lenny, hiding out in the town's local jail, who decide to investigate. And as mentioned, Steinbeck fans, here's your cue to start looking out for the Mice and Men shout-outs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> After the opening credits, George and Lenny find Mike and Davy, who Lenny marches towards the town jail while George searches in vain for the other two, who are hiding uh, in a in a barn basically just next door. Back at the jail, George and Lenny discuss oh, their... Oh, before you cut there, yes. the cool thing about them hiding out in the barn mm -hmm. is this is a moment where they get metatextual. Ah, uh, yes. First we get lost and run out of gas, and then Mike and Davy disappear, and then somebody starts shooting off a machine gun. And now this guy is searching the town. That's for the benefit of any of you who've tuned in late. Now, back to our story. <laughs> 
Yes, lovely little fourth wall break there. <laughs> it's beautiful, and it's in, in in writing a script, we would call that a reprise. And you, normally, you do that at the beginning of Act Three, which would come after the first half hour of a one-hour show, right? Because the idea was, if you watched a half-hour show first, and then you flipped the channel and you came into my my hour show, I need to let you know. What's happening? Of and course. so if you watch all those procedurals that people love to watch on TV, all the cop shows, mm-hmm. that's what the whiteboard is for. They always go back to the whiteboard and say, hey, so here are the suspects we have in mind, and this is what we know about them, where are we at now? So an audience could see just the last half hour and understand the show. Well, and you know what just hit me is law and order, because they, at least the original series, because they always shift from, you know, the cops to yeah. the lawyers right at the half hour mark. And so essentially the, the second half is, yeah, the, the lawyers explaining what all just happened. Exactly. It's so cool. I mean, that's so funny. I never, that's perfect. Exactly. Yeah, that's a perfect yeah. example. So they're still doing it. <laughs> it's true. These guys knew what the structure of writing was. Yeah. Yeah. So back at the stall, uh, in another scene that is very remnant of, of Mice and Men, George and Lenny discuss their plans of what they're going to do when they get their cut. And uh, <laughs> as soon as the big man arrives, um, Lenny mentions that it's kind of odd that they've never actually met the big man, uh, which, of course, Mickey and Pete are here. And, of course, fortunately, you know, Mickey can do an excellent gangster impression. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so and they had the pinstripe suit somewhere in the in the car. Yeah, again, that you know, no gas, but 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 like wardrobe changes. But in any case, <laughs> the literal light bulb goes off over Mickey's head, and and they walk in disguised as gangsters, the big man and Spider. <laughs> yes. Take it easy, Lenny. He'll get here when he's ready. He's ready. <laughs> okay, boss. All right. Where is everybody? This place looks like a ghost town. Who are you? That's Rich. Bright boy wants to know who I am. I like that. It shows he's a bright boy. You ain't the big man. They don't come no bigger. <laughs> well, boss, hey, sure I'm glad to see you. We didn't think you were going to make it. Nobody touches the big man's trigger finger. No, well, I, where's the dog? Oh, it's right over here, boss. Who are they? Oh, a couple of kids that stumbled in on her. Well, damn spider kids, and they'll take care of the kids in the cell. Won't you, spider? Won't you, spider? What? Spider the kids in the cell. Yeah, right, the kids in the cell. Wait a minute, I didn't have no car. How'd you get here? I would get here in no car. <laughs> we uh, coasted up, we coasted up, because that stays on gas. Especially during the getaways, you know. Yeah, no, which reminds me, I think we left the motor running in the car, Spider. We better go check on it. Listen, we'll see you guys later. Wait a minute. Give me a famous line, Lenny. You, you ain't going nowhere. Wait a minute, he's the big man, and I'm Spider. You're a big man. Spider. You can't step on a spider. Why not? It'll rain. Yeah, and it, it kind of reminds me of the um, of the little bit that uh, Peter played when he was playing a, a gangster type again in um, uh, Monkeys on the Wheel, uh, you yeah. know, the, the casino episode that's much, exactly. much further down the road. So, 
But yes, they try to overcome the hoods and rescue Mike and Davy, but uh, unfortunately, the crooks pretty much see through them as soon as they, you know, they, they kind of goose some stuff, and they're locked up in the jail cell with the other monkeys. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. And they can't really escape because there's nothing around here but miles of desert, as we already know. And uh, the monkeys imagine having fun by the beach in bathing suits and romping around the desert and sort of like, I don't know, French Foreign Legion kind of outfits or something like that to uh tomorrow's going to be another day <laughs> very cool yep and when george steps out for a moment mickey spots a shovel and hatches another plot to escape via tunneling out they trick lenny into giving them the shovel and the ball he was using to play jacks a minute earlier claiming that they're going to play baseball for their recreation. And, of course, they cover up the sound of their digging by singing Papa Jean's Blues with, you know, magically appearing guitars and drums and all that. Exactly. So suddenly they they couldn't get, like, why couldn't they just magically make the shovel appear? Yeah, well, hey. (laughs) (laughs) If you think about the holes in this plot, we'll not have a show. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But in any case, they begin digging all sorts of scape tunnels to various stock footage locations. The beach, the jungle, a railroad track, the the desert, an Egyptian pyramid, and a baseball diamond. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. How suitable, finally. (laughs) Yes, but by the end of the song, Peter's only surfaced in the cell next door. Da-da-da. <laughs> and after the break, the real big man arrives, and the crooks are surprised to find their leader is actually the big man's wife, Rosemary, as Bessie Kowalski, uh, who took over because her husband got a little too big. All right, punks, where's the loot? Come on, lady, the PTA meeting's down a block. You gotta be George. You got a big mouth. That's right, who are you? I ain't the welcome wagon. You ain't the, ain't the big man. Nah, I'm the big woman. The big man's wife. <laughs> and then where's your husband? He got too big. Now I'm the big man. They don't get into what that really means, but... Uh, I get a feeling, you know, in the, the too big for his britches kind of sense, because, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, how did she get rid of him? We don't really get into the details of that, so... Oh, I- no, I don't. I don't see her having a huge problem with that. She, she seems quite capable of handling herself. What's funny to me is that it's we're like halfway through the episode before she shows up, and she's the big name guest star. So yeah, I I sort of hit on that when I was watching it again earlier today to prep for this episode. Is 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 you don't think about it because you think of this as the rose one of the Rosemary episodes. But yeah, she doesn't come in until yeah almost halfway through the episode. So yeah, and yet she's so powerful that we think of it as her episode. Yet we're only getting it for like 10, 12 minutes. Yeah, I think she she probably spends even less time than that on sta- on on screens. So, true. That's yeah. true. Between yeah. the romps and everything. Exactly. Yeah. She orders the monkeys killed, but is impressed when she learns that they are singers, uh, since, of course, she was once in showbiz herself and claimed that she once won the hearts of millions. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ba- baby Rosemary. She did. Yes, absolutely. Bessie is still somewhat, you know, unsympathetic and, and says they still have to get taken out back and shot. But Mike and Mickey buy them some time by asking her for a last request. And soon with Mike at the piano, Bessie starts singing Everybody Loves My Baby and Hi Neighbor. Hi Neighbor, Hi Neighbor, time to play and say hi. Okay, Lenny, now let's rub them out. Wait a minute, Bessie. Do you know you can get the chair for this? No, I don't think I remember that one. But this is Everybody Loves My Baby again. That's a good one. Come on. 
Everybody loves my baby, but my baby don't love nobody but me. Nobody you know, George, I think I'm falling in love with the big man. It's way too sick. You know how she bumped off Mr. Big? She sang him to death. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike sends Davey off to call for help on the phone a couple of times. Uh, Both times we reference things that are part of popular culture. This first one is basically this is when the Red Power Movement was coming forward, just the same way as we had a Black Power Movement and we had, you know, um, the Stonewall Riots are coming up. So all these different groups are finally demanding the tension and focus and awareness. Yes, And we're just a couple of years before they're going to um, end up at Alcatraz Island. Yes, yes, this is this is not long before that. So, yeah, um, so it's pretty controversial and pretty pretty hip for for the the Indian to basically say, you know, I I can't help you. I don't know anything about white men's problems. Yeah, and then he like you know puts him on hold and switches to another line. So exactly, yeah, yeah so little gags like that. And then the next time uh, Davy tries to call, he speaks to a Western towns person who offers to contact Bob Dylan as opposed to Sheriff Dylan, since or Marshall Dylan, since he can write a song about his problem. <laughs> exactly, and you know, Gunsmoke was the number one show on television for many years, and yep. was the longest running one hour, and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So Chester. Um, and Marshall Dillon are known by everybody in the generation that is both Rosemary's and that follows the monkeys because families would sit around and watch that show together. Absolutely. Which, you know, conveniently enough was on opposite the monkeys. So, yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and actually, just because TV trivia is always so fun, mm -hmm. Chester was played by Dennis Weaver. Yes. Who more people know as McLeod a few years later in the, in the NBC mystery wheel. Okay. And in the pilot of McLeod. He has a girlfriend, and she's played by Jacqueline Smith, who's going to be a Charlie's Angel a couple of years later. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, when I saw that pilot years later, for whatever reason, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Jacqueline Smith. I yeah. thought it was very cool. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is with this week's episode of Six Degrees of Monkey Ration. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, after the phone calls crap out, Mike tries to stall some more by having all of them sing the theme from the monkeys, which, you know, Rosemary does excellently. And uh, they ask George and Lenny to join in, at which Lenny ends up giving Davy his gun and a shootout ensues. <laughs> which I have to say, very interesting. To see the guys with guns. Yeah, I mean, this is, it happens a couple times in time in this series. This might be the first one. Yeah. Yeah, and even when they do bank robbers, they don't actually ever shoot those guns, but these guns they shoot. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and they're definitely the Jedi and the other, and, and, and George and Lenny are kind of the, the stormtroopers based on. <laughs> how uh, they're doing there and and bessie of course is like off in a corner still singing the theme song so because <laughs> because like when mike ran uh, mike and them ran to get behind the bar he like switched on the player piano function which <laughs> fortunately also had guitar and drums and anyway <laughs> <laughs> magic magic yes ma'am <laughs> <laughs> but then the gun Davy has, as soon as Peter worries that it might run out of bullets, it does appear to run out of bullets. So mm -hmm. he throws it away, only to have one more bullet discharge ricochet and knock George's gun out of his hand, forcing him and Lenny to surrender. Hooray! <laughs> It's so cute. Yes. And the police arrive to apprehend the three criminals, and Bessie announces that while she and the boys are in stir, they're going to work up a new act as Bessie and the Bullets. 
<laughs> Which, by the way, speaking of when you said this is, you know, the women's movement is really hitting ahead here. Yeah. Look, not only is she the leader of the gang here, but when they go to jail, she's still going to be the leader. Absolutely. Stay in the big man. There you go. <laughs> yep. One of the cops uh, gives them a ticket to redeem their reward for capturing the three, and they hop in their car to go to the police station to redeem their money, but then the cop writes a tricket ticket for a traffic violation. <laughs> and, and singing in a cabaret without a license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a cabaret, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So basically they balance each other out, and uh, Mike ends up returning the reward ticket to the cop to basically basically cover the fines and uh well that's show business is show business and when they drive off in the car we get when we're talking to the cop we get that another overhead shot yeah which was a crane shot but nowadays would be a drum shot Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so technology moves forward that it does. And then uh, we are another minute short this week. Looks like we're, we spend a lot of time on Mike this, this week uh, with his putting a new name on his um, uh, chair of Lauren St. David and playing with a deck of cards in disguise. Exactly. Which are, which are the lighting gels. Exactly. Um, yeah. And they talk and- about that. Hey, Mike shows over. What are you doing, babe? Oh, yeah. Playing a name there on the back of the chair. What is it? Lauren St. David is the name. Why? Why, why do you put that? Uh- Lauren Yeah. I, I don't want anybody to recognize me. <laughs> what is this? Somebody, please? Sir? Somebody, speak up. Mr. Cameraman? Half net. Half net. Everybody, this is a half net. Not a half what net. Now, this, this here. This is a blue gel. Now, this is a, a messed up hey, Davey, double. Davey, wait a minute. Well, if, if you saw that thing you didn't know what it was, what would you guess it was? In my opinion, <laughs> I'd say that was a K. <laughs> Actually, I just did it. No, you got it the wrong way around. It's the electronic symbol for a transistor. Or if you put it that way... Hey, Mike, there's a you... whole bunch of them down by your feet. What are they? This here? Yeah. Uh, they're a uh, deck of cards in disguise. A what? Deck of cards in disguise. Oh, right, do a card trick, Mike. Do a card trick. You want to do a card trick? Do a card trick. Uh, I gotta shuffle them first. Didn't see that, did you? Okay. Pick a card, any card. Any card? Any card? Just any card? Any, any card? Uh, they're not real cards, though. But, cool, wait, wait. Okay, you look at it? Yep. It's the uh, King of Spades. How, how did you know? Come on. Come on, how did you know? <laughs> the only one missing. Good night, fellas. Good night. Right. And what's cute about that is uh, it's weird because this is one of my least favorite after show interviews because I like the ones, of course, when they get into the meaty stuff about politics. Yeah. But in this one, what I realize they're doing is demonstrating to America what improv is. Uh-huh. That's exactly what's going on. And basically, we're just seeing a, you know, 90-second improv riff where, yeah. you know, Bob Rafelson says, okay, what are these? And and, and they just kind of, you know, go off it. And it's like, you know, and they're all kind of playing with it. And it's it's, it's a cute little bit. So, and it yeah. Is. And yeah. that's what you'd like in improv class. You'd sit in a circle with however many students, mm-hmm. five or 10 or 20, and pass a thing like a hanger around. And everyone has to say what it is besides being a hanger. So like it's a key to a mansion for an alien or whatever, you know, and you and that just forces your brain to think outside the box and keep getting more and more creative. So I was like, oh, but most people wouldn't, you know, unless you take acting lessons and that sort of thing, they wouldn't have understood what improv was. So it is a cool little exercise example. Right. And um, it's interesting that Jim Frawley winds up sticking this one as the end of an episode he directed because he's essentially the guy who taught them how to do improv. Exactly. What a beautiful circle. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so anything else we want to say about the episode proper 
No, I was just going to say in terms of like thematic stuff, we've already covered that, you know, they're talking about the Red Power Movement. Mm-hmm. They're, they're demonstrating women's movement. There's we, we talked about this concept of the mashups and what we're going to do. And it's funny because this is essentially, you know, gangsters and Westerns mashing up. It's a few years before The Godfather is going to become known as a, an American Western. It's going to turn gangsters into the new Western. Right. Um, and we know, of course, that Reifelstein and Schneider, when they do Head, Head, um, excuse me, when they do Easy Rider, mm-hmm. that was called an acid Western. So yeah. they've been mashing Westerns up. You know, that's a new kind. They're moving right into the new world of film is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's interesting to see another one. This is another really interesting episode where the, where you can sort of see this inflection point between old Hollywood and new Hollywood. Yes, which is really fun, and 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 that's kind of what they're going to do in Head, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll move on to the music this week. First up is Papa Jean's Blues by, of course, Michael Nesmith. He actually wrote that song pre-Monkeys. It was recorded July 7th of 66, July 16th of 66, and July 30th of 66. Personnel, Michael Nesmith lead vocal, Mickey Dolan's harmony vocal, and this is sort of one of the early appearances of, of what they call their Everly Monkeys harmony. Al Casey, Glenn Campbell, James Burton, Jim Helms, and Peter Tork on on guitar, Hal Blaine on drums, Gary Coleman and Jim Gordon on percussion, and Bill Pittman on bass. I love every time you mention Glenn Campbell. He's so cool. And the idea that mm-hmm. he's connected to the monkeys just is so cool. Yeah, it's just so amazing when you think about it. And and it's a reminder of even LA, how small the like the the musical community was. It's true. So the pool was small and they all knew each other and they knew who was best at what. So you would try always to get the best guys to work with you. And if they were busy, you went to the B level. And that's true whether you're talking cameramen or writers or or musicians. Yeah, very true. And then the other song this episode was Tomorrow's Gonna Be Another Day by Tommy Boyce and Steve Vinay. Uh, this is actually the second appearance of this song, so you can hear the full credits for it in uh, episode 126 for Monkey See, Monkey Die. Hey. Yep. And I think that's about it for this episode, unless there's anything else you wanted to add. No, I think, you know, we've talked about what's really cool about it. It's a chance for young kids to see old Hollywood and old Hollywood to approve of young kids. Yeah. And speaking of old Hollywood, uh, Roseanne sent me some cute little videos of uh, Rosemary and kind of some early work that we're going to we're going to put in the show notes. I'm also going to make sure that we link to the prior episodes that we've talked about Rosemary because there are several um, interviews. And like I said, discussing her uh, documentary. And uh, we've talked a lot about Rosemary on Zilch. So we'll get into that. Why not? She's a big, big player, and it gave the show a particular sheen that it needed. Yeah, it's a really interesting early boost. You know, she was kind of the big man for the monkeys in her own way. (laughs) That's a perfect place to end it. You're so good. Thank you. Well, next time we will be doing Don't Look a Gift Horse in the Mouth. The monkeys have a horse in the pad, no hay to feed it, and no explanation for their landlord. Written by Dave Evans, directed by Bob Rafelson. An interesting side note on this, this is actually the first episode that was filmed after the pilot. And um, in my opinion, you can kind of tell, but we will get more into that next time. Exactly. Okay, well, that is it for this week, and we will see you next time on Monkeys 101. Bye-bye and bye bonds, right? (laughs) Exactly. See ya. Dr. Roseanne Welch is a Mickey girl and the author of Why the Monkeys Matter, Teenagers, Television, and American Pop Culture. 
After a career of writing for television shows like Touched by an Angel, Picket Fences, and Beverly Hills 90210, Roseanne shifted gears and went into education. She now writes on film and television studies and teaches in the screenwriting program at Stevens College. Dr. Sarah Clark is an April conquest and proud of it. When not podcasting here at Zilch, a monkey's podcast, or writing at her blog, Fandom Lenses, her not-terribly-secret identity, she can be found leading a university library in the Philadelphia area. Sarah is convinced that her utter inability to understand Head when she was 11 sparked the intellectual curiosity that led her into academia. If only she'd known the guys themselves didn't understand Head either. Thank you for another excellent Monkeys 101. Well, this wraps up our last episode for 2019. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being part of our community. Thank you for helping us do some good and helping some people. It's, it's been a blast. And love you all, seriously. Every time I go to a Monkeys event and I meet somebody that comes up and says, Hey, I love this show. I love the Facebook page. It's great. And it, it, I cannot tell you how, how good it does all of our hearts here. From all of us here at Zilch to all of you everywhere in Zilch, we say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy whatever you celebrate, but celebrate life. Love you all. Be good to one another. We were born to love one another. And now I'm going to be like that annoying kid that would get off the school bus on the last day just before Christmas vacation. See you next year. We'll see you. Bye. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.